Pulse Audio Podcast Network. Guess what's back? Back again. Lockdown's back. Tell a friend to wear their fucking mask. Hello, it's another episode of Whining About History, the women's history podcast where two longtime besties with breasties talk about women from history you probs haven't heard of. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And I forgot to mention, we also drink a fuck ton of wine, which, as you can tell by my staggered intro, has already happened. And But seriously, tell people to wear masks. I would like to leave my house again. Yes, please. Like... It, it it's not even like I'm I'm not mad at people going to the grocery store. I'm not mad at people like going, but like just wear your mask. I am mad at the people who wear it with like their nose exposed. And I'm like, is that how masks work? I'm like, you walk you around with your cr- dick out. You literally invented a new pet peeve that right. I have now, and you are the worst kind. There of is person. there is there is an image going around the internet that is someone with like their dick hanging out of their underwear and then their nose out of a mask and it's like you don't you don't wear your mask or you don't wear your underwear like this do you so don't wear your mask like this <laughs> uh all right well uh we're kind of doing a uh, some double trouble and recording two episodes before lockdown fully kicks in so by the time you're listening to this uh you haven't left your yeah. house in a while we only have like two but hours by the time left. we're recording this we're still okay so by like two hours yes <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us for another episode. And Kelly, do you have a say their name for today? I do. I do have the say their name. So I love your like a your week vague ago. pointing. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> like a week ago, I got a lovely email from someone asking if we would like to read their book. And I was like, yeah, we want to read your book. We're always pretty much down to read. And she was wonderful. And she sent us not one, but two copies of her book. And probably our next episode is going to be us covering fantastic women from these women from these books. And her name is Haley Shapley or Hallie. I'm sorry. I probably should have asked you how to pronounce it. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with Haley. I'm going to commit see. and I'm going to accept the fact I'm probably okay. wrong. So Hallie Shapley. I just went with Hallie instead. You Because there's no I. <laughs> so I with Hallie Shapley, and it's called Strong Like Her, a celebration of rule breakers, history makers, and unstoppable athletes. And we kind of flipped through it, and it just, it looks so, so good. There is at least one woman we covered in here. Um, Catherine Switzer. Kath- Catherine Switzer. I mean, we haven't looked through the whole book, so there could be more, because we have covered a few women athletes i wish kelly had taken a video when she showed the books to me because she came out when i got here to record and my face the sounds i made were all truly inhuman but excited yeah (laughs) and then what's cool is like so there's chapters on like different women in history and then in the back is all like modern day women and what they do so there's like a crossfit athlete a weightlifter an actor and dancer an ice swimmer. swimmer And it's, I mean, the portraits of these women are just absolutely incredible. So thank you, Hallie, for sending us your books. We're very, very excited to read them. Yeah. So uh, we will hopefully have a very special episode geared up for that. Uh, I'm very excited. It, it's funny because uh, you let me know about it and I caught up on the conversation and right. immediately went to Audible. It was like, the book's here. It's mine. This is happening because I... 
rarely have the time to like sit down and read. So Audible's been really great. Like if I'm at the gym, which is soups of probes, yeah, uh, or anywhere else, I can listen to the books. I can absorb the information and enjoy it and have more time to indulge in intellectual content. Right. And now you can look at the pretty, pretty pictures too. And now I can do both because uh, when we covered the Radium Girls, we both read the book Radium well, you, Girls by yeah. Kate Moore. Um, I used Audible to listen to that. But I definitely kind of wanted the hard copy to like flip through and like reference back to. And I know uh, I like I looked up the women online, but I know the book has a list of like all the yep. figures in the book and kind of yeah, who like, they are and what and they where are they're do, like and, in relation. Yeah, because there's a lot of people. There are a lot of people whose bones became became honeycombs. And if you haven't listened to that episode, check out Radium Girls. It's excellent. We teamed up with Hashtag History. Who are amazing. But like. You know, we've done Catherine Atwood's books. Yep. We've done um, Kate Moore's book. And now yep. we're doing Hallie Haley Shapley. I guess I, that's one way to do it. Just cover all the bases. Yes. <laughs> so I'm very excited for that. And thank yes. you so much for reaching out to us and sharing these books with us. They're a hard cover. They're hard. They're very, very pretty. I am beside myself. I'm so excited. I can't excited. believe. Like, like, this is going to be like my coffee table book. Honestly, I'm, I'm truly honored. But I'm also I like... I feel like she thinks we're better than we are, yeah, and I don't want to disappoint I her. I had the same thing with Catherine Atwood, where I'm like, please don't hate us after this. Right. Like, I, st- I love your books. Please don't yes. hate me. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to talk about the wine we're drinking today. So we're drinking Wait. some Prosecco. Uh, we don't have any orange juice that won't kill us. Mm. <laughs> we have orange juice, speaking of the Radium Girls episode, from, from that, that episode when we made cocktails. It has been sitting out in the studio unrefrigerated. Um, We're not going to touch that shit. We're not going to do cheap ass mimosas. So this is uh, from my Angels box from Naked Wines. It's Code Lucia Prosecco... Uh, 2018 and the back unfortunately does not have a fun description um it has some stuff in spanish and then says that women shouldn't drink while pregnant so so just assume it calls you an angel and move on yeah we're angels this is true i do have another naked wines box order coming in so i'm very excited about that you should get them to sponsor us I, I should. I, they, they do have an affiliate program, so I may look into that because I've actually really enjoyed their wine. They had a Cabernet Sauvignon that basically made me realize I love those wines and really opened me up to exploring them because you can get a little bit of everything and it's kind of like those old school Christmas bank accounts where you like put a little money in it every month and then by the time Christmas rolls around you got all your gift money and so they just take some money out of my account every month and I save up and then I have a bunch of money to splurge on (laughs) wine I get like 80 bottles and I'm good (laughs) you're funny all right 80 bottles yes she's just gonna start building a house out of imagine how many bottles of wine we've had like a lot it has been over 80 now because we're in episode like 87 now. Yeah. Yeah. So we have had at least 80 bottles of wine. Yeah. I, I, I think, think we've doubled like up like once. once. Yeah. yeah. And I think there was one time where we didn't drink wine. 
Well, for Radium Girls, we had cocktails. I think there yeah. was another And there were time. some times when you drank wine and I didn't during the first lockdown. Oh, yeah. And then there were some times where I drank Angry Orchard. Yep. And, yeah. not and I drank yeah, whatever we had around You the know what? In these unprecedented times, we all do what we must for the cause. And that includes right. drinking cider instead of wine. So, All right. Well, That's Kelly, funny. I think, uh, what should we cheers to? I don't know. I picked last time. Well, I think we should cheers to... Hallie Haley. Hallie Haley. Miss Shapely. Miss Shapely. Miss Shapely. Why did it take us this long to get there? Miss Shapely, thank you. Here's to you. Clink. That is not as sweet as I thought it would be, but it's very carbonated. It is. I'm not sure if I enjoy it because it tastes, it kind of, it kind of tastes like, um, just carbonated water. Like there's not a lot of taste to it, but it's heavy on the carb. So... Damn it! Now I'm disappointed. Although I probably had enough wine because we're recording two episodes in a row. So we are where we want to be. It would have been better with orange juice that isn't fermenting in itself. I'm sorry, we don't. (laughs) I don't really keep juice. I mean, we have other juice, I guess. Do you have cranberry juice? I bet cranberry juice would be bitching apple. (gasps) Can we get some cran apple, Kelly? I mean, it's in the fridge upstairs. Okay. Getting some cran apple. Pause. Do 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 do. All right, we're back. I have some cran pineapple juice. We have all both loaded up our drinks, it's and it's so much better. So much better because it's just I I th- this is I would call it the vodka of wines, where it's just supposed to add the bubbly alcohol to it versus any taste or substance. It's just supposed to make it boozy. Yeah, you know. So, also, Cran Pineapple, like, what genius came up with that? Because that is brilliant. Oh, so much happier. All right. Well, now that we have doctored up our drinks to be bearable, Kelly, you're starting us off today. I need to go first. Woo! First is the worst. No, I'm kidding. I love you. (laughs) Um, So, this was actually suggested to me by my mother-in-law, Lydia. What's Um, up, Lydia? She sent me... She sent me a picture of a link... I don't know. Facebook has been doing a weird thing. Like when you try and share with someone, it just sends you like the picture of the link and doesn't actually send you the link. It's happened several times lately what with several people. So you have to type in so all I just the go- like. No, I just Googled oh, okay. the person's <laughs> name. Um, so I'm covering Dr. Gladys West. Dr. Gladys West. All right. Emily's like, I have no idea who I is. love doctors. Here's the thing. That's the point of our podcast, though. Neither of us you know who any of these the women best part, are. She's a doctor of math. Oh, so she's a witch. <laughs> Yeah, she's along the same lines as the lady you covered. Math witch. Math witch. I love math witches. Anyway, so Gladys was born in 1930 in Dinwiddie County, Virginia. I love Dinwiddie. (laughs) Anyways, it's a rural community and her family had a small farm there. A lot of the land around their farm was sharecroppers, other farmers, tobacco factory workers, you know, very middle class class. farmers. Yeah. Yeah. And she decided very early on that she was like, nope, I'm not staying in rural Virginia. This is not where I want to be. Like, I love my family, but this is not the life I want for myself. And she's a black woman. I felt I just feel like I need to say that now because I don't know if I actually like racial struggles don't really come up very much in her story, surprisingly. okay, you know, I I feel it's important to understand the context of the world she's living. Because when did you say she was born? 1930. Okay, yeah, she's still alive. Oh, shit. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Isn't that exciting? Dr. Anyways. West. 
So she considered education to be the key to a better life and her way off the farm. She worked very, very hard to get top grades in all of her subjects at school. Her family didn't have money to send her to college, but getting good grades really paid off because at the high school she went to, the top two students of each graduating class received full-ride scholarships to Virginia State College, which is a historically black public school. And not only did she graduate top two in her class, she graduated as class valedictorian. Damn. So she's just like, I got this. Yeah. Um, She was initially unsure of what she wanted to pursue in college because she had excelled at all her subjects, you know, so she like... She was like, I don't know what I want to do. That is the opposite of me. I pursued creative writing because it was literally the only thing I was good at. That's funny. <laughs> so she's like, I can't choose. I'm so good at everything. Like, oh, poor you. That's funny. <laughs> she was encouraged to major in either math or science because, you know, those are notoriously difficult subjects. So it's kind of like, do something that's going to challenge you. Yeah. Gladys ultimately chose mathematics, a subject. I almost put it in my notes at the time dominated by men, but it's still dominated by men. Yeah. Math, is a, math and science are still predominantly male fields. I feel like a bad feminist because I'm bad at math. I want to be the person that's like, I'm a girl and I'm good at math. And I'm like, no, I'm bad at math. But it's not because I'm a girl. It's because I'm, I have a learning disability. I am <laughs> decent at math. I just don't like it. <laughs> uh how it is math is triggering for us i have to take i I mean i'm taking a stats class next semester so i feel i'll be mathing again and it's not the wine so as she was at vsu virginia state college actually at the time apparently it was university so it was vsu now it's college Isn't that like a step down? I always feel like universities sound more fancy than colleges well it's like i don't um, know if there's actually a difference in europe it's common to say, oh, I attended university or I went to uni and in the United States, college is the predominant yeah, term. Interesting. So I, I used to say like, oh, I, I, I went to university and people would be like, don't fucking jazz it up like that. You went to college. And I'm like, they mean the same thing. Well, like I went to the University of right? Wisconsin. But that, that's why I feel like... You know, saying it was a university, now it's a college. It sounds like it's a downgrade. I, I think it's, it's just not. Yeah, I think it's just an assimilation to the common terminology in the United yeah. States. But both, I feel, see mean the same fucking thing. So unless you're Ivy League, up. and then you have to be a university. <laughs> Let me stick my pinky up in the air and sip on some caviar. <laughs> I you? I couldn't think of a fancy thing. Champagne. Why didn't go. I say champagne? <laughs> I don't know. You're thinking of drinking fish eggs. Ugh. Um. Anyways, Gladys became a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha, which is the first historically African-American Greek lettered sorority. Oh, that's cool. So that's pretty I cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Their their motto is by culture and by merit. So I, I like it. that. Yeah. It's like we, we're going to get where we're going based on our abilities, but not we're not going to forget who we are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Love it. So she did graduate with a bachelor's degree and went on to teach science and math in Waverly, Virginia for two years before returning to SVSU. I don't know why I want to say SVU. This is not special victims. Unit. <laughs> this is Virginia don't State University. Um, I, I'm just going to I'm just going to punctuate this whole episode with don't do God damn it. Um, Anyways, she went back for her master's degree in mathematics. She completed it in 1955 and briefly took another 
teaching position in Martinsville, Virginia. And when I say briefly, I mean within a year, she was hired as a mathematician at the Naval Proving Ground in Dahlgren, Virginia. It's now called the Naval Surface Warfare Warfare Center, but then it was called the Naval Proving Ground. Wow. So it's she's not in the military, but she's working for a, a Navy school teaching math? I don't know. It to the Navy? No, she's like doing math for the Navy. Oh, so she... It, it reminds me of Grace Hopper. Yeah, that's why I said she's similar Gra- to who I, you covered. Yeah, except I think Grace was actually a part, part of, of the Navy. Navy. I think so. So at... Um, the Naval Proving Ground, she began analyzing satellite data. She was the only the second black woman ever hired, and she was only one at the time, ever hired at the time. Um, and she was only one of four African-American employees at that time. I forgot that uh, she's an adult now, and we had moved out of 1930. So when you said satellite data, I'm like, excuse me, what? This is 1956. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, At first, she was a human computer, which we've talked about those before, Mm -hmm. um, doing math out longhand herself, and then she transitioned to programming computers to do the math. So while she's doing that, teaching computers to learn math, she was also earning her second second master's degree in public administration from the University of Oklahoma. Good God, Gladys. Yeah. She's like, nah, I got this. I'm like, I can barely hold together an administrative position and... freaking master's degree i can barely hold together my bachelor's which i have already earned and a job and a podcast <laughs> like i i i really admire you for going the, back to drop school. the bachelor's and keep the podcast <laughs> no i already have the bachelor's oh. drop the job and keep the podcast. yes yes um, this is my official resignation. I'm going to research women from history full time oh now, and then amazing. I will die in a box alone, just like everyone Not predicted. Alone. I'll be there. Yeah, I will die in a box with Kelly, <laughs> eating my short stories, just like everyone predicted when I majored in creative writing. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so during this time, she actually met her husband, Ira West, who was another one of the four black people working there. I <laughs> Damn. That's how that's how they like phrased it. I know. Um, I just like when you say it like that. I know. I'm it sorry. It just sounds silly. It's terrible. It sounds terrible because it was terrible. terrible. And like it, it's silly and how outrageous that right? sounds. So he was also working at the Naval Proving Ground as a mathematician um, and they married in 1957. So yay. Yay. Through the early 1960s, uh, Gladys worked on an, oh God, here's that word again, astronomical study. <laughs> It's been a while since I fucked that one up. Oh my god, that is Kelly's favorite word. <laughs> my favorite word when I'm drunk. Anyways, astronomical study that proved the regularity of Pluto's motion relative to Neptune. So, for those who don't know, for every two orbits Pluto makes, Neptune makes three. Sometimes Pluto or sometimes, yeah, Pluto's orbit is inside of Neptune's orbit because Neptune's orbit is a weird like egg shape kelly's talking about me you guys when she said those who don't know she's saying emily i'm gonna have to get a white- emily I need, I need like a whiteboard in here and i can draw it for okay you. so neptune orbits in an egg shape and then pluto's orbit is a circle is a circle and so they like interact in their orbits yeah. irregularly actually it's the opposite my bad this is the quote from the minnesota astronomical society because minnesota. yeah quote 
Pluto's orbit is very eccentric or oval shaped, such that it goes inside of Neptune's orbit for about 20, 20 years of its 248 year orbit. Although the two orbits don't actually intersect, the potential of both planets being that close to each other could result in their mutual gravitational forces affecting each other and causing them to change their orbits. However, because of their 2-3 resonance, meaning... I don't know what that means, actually. I'm not going to pretend <laughs> I do. I, I think it's that Pluto makes two orbits for every three of Neptune's. That's, okay. that's my guess on what it means, but I didn't actually look into it. Neptune and Pluto are never closer than 17 astronomical units, or about nine, oh, and which is one astronomical unit is about 93 million miles. So 17. That's such a weird number. You couldn't round it out. As a result, this 2-3 resonance is very stable and has lasted for millions of years. So basically, they could affect each other's orbit, but it's probably not going to happen. But they've, pr- but they have never actually crashed into each nope. other. Okay. Nope. Oh no, shit! I feel like we probably wouldn't have one of the planets if that happened. I'm getting the wine hiccups. Well, Pluto's not a planet, Kelly. It's a, it's a dwarf, dwarf giant. I take that so personally. Pluto was no, it's always a dwarf my- planet. It's still a planet. It's just yeah. a dwarf planet. I took that so personally because I Pluto was always my favorite because I was the shortest kid in my class. <laughs> Everybody oh, else shit. just prefers your And Uranus. sorry, I died. If- <laughs> I knew that would get her to laugh. God damn you. But I identified with Pluto. And Aww. that's like, no, I have so little. <laughs> You're not a person. <laughs> this is getting excessive. You know, Emily is like, I'm going to get shwasted <laughs> because we're not going to be able to hang out together anymore. And now she has the wine hiccups and it's going to ruin the podcast. I'm getting a ride from my boyfriend home. So I decided I can get, yeah, I can get shwasted. Sh- <laughs> Okay, keep telling me about Gladys. You're just gonna have to mute all of your audio. No, it is all staying in. Um, So Gladys consistently put in extra hours during this project, cutting her team's processing time in time by almost half because she would just work so many extra hours. She she clearly loved what she did. Yeah, she she's like a one woman wrecking ball, right? Of efficiency. So after this project that proved this regularity of Pluto's motion, um, she was recommended for a commendation in 1979. Following this, she joined the CSAT radar. Alta, oh god, Sally sells seashells by the seashore. CSAT radar. Altimetry project as project manager. So she took over the C. I'm just going to call it the CSAT project. Oh, that's what I do. I'm a project manager. Yeah. We're totally on the same level. (laughs) So the CSAT project was something to take precise measurements of distances over the Earth's surface or between Earth and an object. Like that's what they were working on because the Earth is not a perfect sphere. Yeah, it's flat. No. No, it's more like egg Don't sh- even it's joke egg about that, Everything Emily. is fucking egg-shaped. Everything's an egg because that's where life comes from. What came first, the chicken or the egg? The egg. Oh, the egg. The, always the egg. Um, Actually, probably because it was probably like evolution. And so some like some animal that wasn't technically a chicken laid an egg. It and gave life birth to, a, to an embryo that had like a hard casing. And that mutation just kept going and going until we had eggs. No. I mean, lizards and repti- reptiles have laid eggs for like millions of years. Yeah, but how that shit start? <laughs> no, okay, what, what I'm came saying first, the chicken or the lizard? Yeah, there you go, the lizard. <laughs> uh, um, anyways, I'm just, never mind. I'm not going to. Expl- you're too drunk. I'll explain it to you tomorrow. <laughs> this has gotten way out of control. Anyways, 
So what the CSAT project worked on was they realized that oceans play a large role in determining the irregularities of the shape of our planet. So understanding the variation in sea level was a, it was important in modeling the shape of the planet. So CSAT was the first satellite that could remotely sense oceans using radar to measure the distance between the satellite and the surface of Earth's oceans. Any sufficiently advanced form of technology is indistinguishable from magic, and that is exactly what that sounds like. Yeah. So that was badass that she did that. Yeah. Um, She then went to work uh, on... She was still working for the what did i call it the naval place that's what i call it now yeah the navy place um naval like surface, the children's the place. naval surface warfare <laughs> place but she programmed an ibm computer to deliver this increasingly precise calculation to model the shape of the earth so basically she took all this data that she was getting from this this csat satellite and started modeling the earth with it this became known as a geoid not, oh, ge- not geoid. Geoid. <laughs> you know exactly where my brain was going. So th- this is like the shape of water, except for the shape of Earth. Yep. Damn. Using water. So this generated an extremely, extremely accurate model, and it required her to employ complex al- algorithms to account for the variations in gravitational, tidal, and other forces that distort Earth's shape as it moves. This data and these processes that she came up with ultimately became the basis for the Global Positioning System, or GPS. Shut the fuck up. That we all know and love today. Shut up! She came up with GPS? The like GPS? The, the, the ground, yeah, she came up with the groundwork for GPS. Oh my god! Also, the idea that the Earth shape changes. When you mention it, I'm like, yeah, I guess that makes sense, right? because, you know, the Earth rises and falls, the tides rise. Rise and fall. Jesus Christ, these hiccups are killing me. But when you put it that way, it, I don't know, it sounds so crazy to think that the shape of the earth is changing. Yeah, constantly. Yeah. Because, like, it used to be cir- circular, and then there it became flat, and everyone was like, you need, guys need to go away and stop saying the earth is flat, and we know, know it's an egg shape. Yeah, it's a sphere. It's a s- egg-shaped sphere. Yep. After inventing the groundwork for the GPS, she went on to publish the data processing system specifications for the Geosat satellite radar altimeter. Whew! A 51-page technical report. God. I have to write a 10-page paper, and I'm like, dear God. I remember having to write, like, 15-page papers and being like, fuck this. (laughs) Um, So this guide was published to explain how to increase the accuracy of the estimation of geoid heights and vertical. Like, basically, here's how you read the output from the satellite and make it accurate. This is achieved by processing the data created from radio altimeter on the Geosat satellite, which went into orbit March 12th, 1984. Just as a sub note. That's that's amazing. Gladys retired in 1998 after 42 years with the company she didn't stop though she didn't stop didn't slow down can't stop won't stop despite suffering a stroke only five months after retiring oh no she worked on rebuilding her strength and recovering her lost mobility by taking classes at her local ymca with her husband oh honey gladys and ira they're, they're still together um 
she was motivated by a big goal. Like, yes, her husband was helping her. And yes, like, but no, she was like, I want to finish my PhD program that I am remotely taking in public administration. She received it from Virginia Tech in 2018. In 2018, after having a stroke, she became a doctor. A PhD doctor, yep. In public administration. So she's not a math doctor. She's a public administration doctor. But she's still a math wizard. Like, who who has a PhD in public administration? That's almost more impressive. Still a mathematician to her core. To this day, it is said that Gladys prefers using a paper map and making her own calculations rather than using the GPS technology that she helped develop. Oh, my God. So living... She's so old school and I love it. Living legacy. Her and Ira have three children and seven grandchildren. And as of February 2018, they live in King George County, Virginia. So she's still alive as far as I know. Dear God. Let's not as go through of that again. November 20th, 2020, she's yes. still alive. At like 4 p.m. was the last time I was looking something up about her. Oh, okay. Who who was the woman you covered? Yeah, we're not. Who who God, I was so Died mad. like hours before we started recording. Uh, who was that i should know this like i should know this off the top of my head but i was really sad she was into science and <laughs> math right <laughs> i don't remember oh God, I, have I don't to... remember either here's the thing i i know my women me, better than yours let me look through our instagram and then we can just cut to me knowing magically who it is yeah florence howe who like died literally the same day i researched her like and I found out like right before we recorded and I was or right after I finished my notes and I was very upset. Yeah, it was like 45 minutes yeah. before we started I, I was like researching. I was like, when did she die? I don't think I saw a death date. And then like a Twitter popped up and I'm like, this happened. This was like two hours. Or yeah, like yeah. 10 minutes ago. I was like, God. <laughs> I was mad and sad all at the same time. But Gladys, Dr. Gladys West is still, is still, still alive, alive as of this very second. Yes. 8.26 p.m. on 11.2020. <laughs> Anyways. Legacy, living legacy. So she has three children, seven grandchildren. I already mentioned that. Um, yet her, despite her achievements which are incredible, and her long career with the military, her role in the development of Jeepus technology has remained relatively unappreciated. Like, I I mean, I couldn't, besides her, tell you who had created it, but I never would have said it was a woman. You know, it's funny. Hedy Lamarr was was a famous actress who now is having a resurgence as being recognized as helping to establish what we now know as not just an actress. Wi-Fi? Yeah. Yeah, because she she was an incredible uh, scientific mind. And so I feel like Dr. West is up for some... She, no, she... Yeah. Oh, She's okay. actually starting to have kind of this resurgence in popularity, which is great because she's still alive. Yeah, great. she can enjoy um, it. <laughs> part of this is because um, she submitted a short biography to an event to honor the Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority members, which obviously she is an alumnus of. Uh, and her biography included a short line about she had that she had, you know, been part of the team that helped develop the Jeepus. And it caught the eye of one of the sorority sisters that was like reading through all these entries. And she was like, who was mm-hmm. having the same reaction. Yeah. We were like, what? <laughs> and so basically she's like, no, we're going to share your story. So in 2018, Gladys's story was covered by the Associated Press and then she got she was uh, she went on to be officially recognized by the United States military 
Yay. That's awesome. The Air Force Space Command celebrated her as a hidden figure of military history. In February of 2018, Gladys was commended by the Virginia State Senate. And on December 6th, she was inducted into the Air Force Space and Missile Pioneers Hall of Fame. Oh, my God. Which is a, cent- which, uh, is a ceremony that takes place at the Pentagon. And that is one of the highest honors to be um bestowed by the air force space command like that's yeah like top of the top so that's huge oh my it's God. great gladys yeah so they called her like i said they also called her a hidden figure and they said that yeah she was part of the team who did computing for the u.s military in the era before electronic systems which was an, an, a reference to um a book by margaret lee shetterly which was adapted into the film called Hidden Figures, which I think we've discussed from one of our other women. Because we covered Katherine Johnson, yeah, who and was she's in represented in that book. And she actually... Um, she was she another human computer. This last year, I think it was. Yeah. Because uh, we covered her when she was still alive. She was over 100 years old. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Captain Godfrey Weeks um, described the role Gladys played in the development as such, quote... She rose through the ranks, worked on the satellite geodesy, didn't know that word existed, it's fantastic, and contributed to the accuracy of GPS and the measurement of satellite data. As Gladys West started her career as a mathematician at Dahlgren in 1956, she likely had no idea that her work would impact the world for decades to come. Gladys has agreed to that, saying... She had no idea at the time that her work would affect so many. Quote, when you're working every day, you're not thinking, what impact is, is this going to have on the world? You're thinking, I've got to get this right. She's like really an unsung hero of modern society. She really is. In 2018, she was also selected by the BBC as part of their 100 Women. And she was also nominated by the VSU um, as by and for the VSU Female Alumna of the Year at... The Historically Black Colleges and Universities Award. So, like, they have, like, a whole award ceremony specifically for historically black colleges and universities. And she won the Female Alumna of the Year in 2018. She did a lot of stuff in 2018. 2018 was, like, her Her year year. for everyone to recognize her badassery. I I like... I'm going to end on this quote, because that was my legacy, my living legacy. And I I just really like this. She said, quote, I'm a doer, hands-on kind of person. If I can see the road and see where it turns and see where it went, I am more sure. I love that. Dr. Gladys West. We love you. We love you. And I hope you're out there kicking around in Virginia, enjoying your children and grandchildren. So this is a call out to Virginia. Everyone there needs to wear your mask because you need to protect this woman. Yes, you do. Do you understand that? We will find you otherwise. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. I'm really, I'm. Yes. Yeah, okay. so thank you for Lydia for sharing it with me. So I'm so sorry. These hiccups. It's great. Will be the death of me. Uh, I feel like a Disney character in like an old school movie when the characters used to get drunk. Yeah. <laughs> when they would hiccup. Um, I'm very glad that you covered her because so much of that was like. Kind of outside of my realm of understanding. Like, Grace Hopper, I, in the broadest terms, understand what she did. But even that, I had to, like, really dig to be like, oh, I get it. 
So I'm very glad you were able to. Uh, yeah, I'm really glad that indulge Lydia... your STEMI si- STEMI side. Yeah, I, I've always loved astronomy, and you know, did we take astronomy together we freshman did. year? I fresh- but I went that on to take the- astronomy too. Right, I only took astronomy one, and I actually that was that was like one of the college classes where I really started to embrace acquiring knowledge because i remember she i she was so in fact like our teacher our professor was amazing oh, she was amazing and she, she was so like infectious and she was like, a goddamn queen wanting to learn about things and wanting us to learn about things like yeah. i i don't remember any of it now because obviously i haven't put the knowledge in practice practice or kept up with it but i remember at the time being like oh my god i get it i get this like complex orbital shit and there were formulas and like stuff that tradition traditionally for me were very difficult and i remember i met up with a friend from high school who lived like around the cities and we were walking around her neighborhood one night and i was picking out the constellations out I was like, here's the story behind all of them. And I know that's that because it's like in proximity to that. And I remember it was like for the first time, like, oh, my God, something I learned in school. I'm using it in real life. What? Right. You know, felt good. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. So in episode 79. Oh, geez. We're going back. Not that far, though. Not that far. Kelly covered the Yara, a female river mermaid that lured men to their deaths to either be eaten or join her underwater harem. During the episode, we began discussing the prevalence of deadly female water spirits like La Llorona and sirens. Please, so much. Apo- please forgive me for my hiccups. They're out of my control and we're just going to keep calm and carry on. So to my absolute shock, Kelly also mentioned the North American equivalent of the Yara. Yes! <laughs> Today I am covering the dear woman. Yes, <laughs> this is why before we started recording, Kelly's like, like, "Who are, are you covering? covering?" I'm like, "I am not fucking telling you." And I wish you could have seen Kelly. So excited when right the now. realization washed over her. So it's not even spooky season. No, but I need to crank out a short story, and I really wanted to cover. You're this. like, I wanted to know more. You know what? Spooky season is something you feel. It's not a time right. of year. That's true. So the deer woman appears in the mythology of many North American tribes from the eastern woodlands to the central plains and even the Pacific Northwest area, including the Sioux, Ojibwe, Cherokee, Osage, and Pawnee tribes. Uh, But has also, it always makes me think of Parks and Rec, and I love it so much. But uh, the concept of like a deer woman has also appeared in Greek mythology, which didn't surprise me because they have satyrs. Yeah. So... The legend of the deer woman is often passed through children and adolescents. She is associated with fertility and love and is often portrayed as a chill spirit who helps women conceive children. However, she has been known to lure men to their death. But don't worry. She only targets adulterous or promiscuous men. So if you're faithful, you have nothing to worry about. If you're not a fuck boy, you're You're fine. fine. (laughs) Because she is an animal spirit, she can take an animal form, a human form, or she can, like, mix it up. Ooh. Such a modern woman. She can do it all. I like that. When she is in her mixed form, she will often have hooves instead of feet. 
I also saw a lot of art that depicted her as like a centaur-like figure with the bottom half of a deer and the top half of a woman or depicting her with antlers. I'm not sure how many of these like depictions were rooted in native legends, though, but her having hooves instead of feet is a part of the story. So that's yeah, the so one I thing I, I even I mentioned rely that on. in my Yara story. There is actually a comic that I'll talk about later um, that was written by an indige- indigenous woman where... Uh, the deer woman is depicted as having a full-on deer head, oh, but a creepy. human body. So that was her interpretation. Interpretation. But I mean, I, if they say that she can like swap between the two forms, I would assume maybe Let's she can not pick and limit choose. Her. She yeah. can do whatever the fuck she wants. Today I want antlers, bitches. Yeah. While the deer woman's origin may differ from tribe to tribe, it's said that she started as a hu- human woman, but then tragedy stuck. Yeah. Fifteen-second trigger warming. Warning. You think even struck, oh. but okay. Did I say stuck? stuck? Well, tragedy stuck. I mean, kind of bold. Death does kind of stick. So, about 15 second trigger warning for severe violence and sexual violence. Skip ahead if needed. In one version of the story, she was brutally raped and left for dead. A fawn wandering through the woods found her body and lay down next to her so she wouldn't have to die alone. Oh, Let's all pause so to sad. cry because that, like, I was reading that. I'm like, oh, my that's so God. That's so sweet. And I'm like, I want to hug that deer. In an attempt to give the woman justice, the gods granted her rebirth as a half woman, half deer. She then used her new form to lure the perpetrator or perpetrators. It kind of yep. differs if it was more than one and trampled them to death. Good. Hell yeah. From then on, she, she existed to punish anyone who would prey on feminine innocence. Aww. So like, I love her. Yeah. I want her to be real. And I feel like if I believe she is that means she is it's kind of like how for the yara the you know it's like oh what happened when she ran into a woman and we're just like yeah she just it was kind of like the hey sup <laughs> the knowing nod yep. the fist bump in other versions I like your harem in your pond <laughs> yeah in other versions she was murdered and brought back to life by the original dear woman spirit then taking on the role herself she has also been described as kind of one of those a witch. Like a passing down yeah of responsibilities the dear woman will lure men with her beauty and either lead them to their death, trample them to death, or even get them lost, leaving them to die from love sickness for their spouse back home. And I mean, I'm sure starvation them, plays good. into that too, if you're hope- right, hopelessly lost in the woods. <laughs> She's also used as like a boogeyman type of figure to keep teenage boys and un- unruly children in line. Of course. So... This is like a a really this story is a really great remedy. Fuck me, really great remedy to puberty and rage hormones. Right, if you're a fuck boy, a dear woman's gonna trample you to death. Yeah, so don't be a fuck boy, young men or old men. Really, anyone. Yeah. <laughs> so things don't always turn out poorly for the men who encounter the dear woman. There is a hitch. Uh, Hitchiti legend about a man who married not one, but two dear women. So I'm what? I'm summarizing. Basically, a man was in love with two women. He would see them at the tribal dances, but once the dances would end, the women would both disappear. One night, he tied a string to each of their dresses so he was able to follow them once the dance ended. That's they smart. noticed he was following them into the woods and asked what the hell he wanted. 
He said he wanted to go with them. So they're like, okay, fo follow us. So they took him down a hole and into a large cavern that was full of deer. One of the deer, an old buck, who I think can be interpreted as like the elder of the group, asked the man what he wanted. The man said he wanted to marry the women, both of them. Why choose? The man was draped in a deer skin and then ventured out of the cavern with the other deer. He was warned that hunters were about and he had to be very careful because they're going to think you're a deer. That's yeah, and I don't know if it was that he was in human form draped in deer skin or if the deer skin turned him into a deer, like silky style. I mean, it's kind of like if you're in the woods, they tell you to wear orange because when you're hunting, yeah. something moves and if it looks like a deer, you're going to shoot it. Right. I wouldn't know. I don't hunt, but that's what I assume. He wasn't careful enough and was killed by a hunter. The man then returned to the cavern where he was draped in another deer skin. And like, I was reading this. I mean, like, he was killed. And, okay. It, it kind okay. So it kind of struck me as like, oh, that's where you regen in a, in a game. But right. I don't know if it was the like he was killed was and his spirit returned to the cavern. I don't know. Um, This is a legend. I'm not going to like pick it apart yeah, no, part too going. much. It's fine. However, upon venturing out, he was killed again. This happened a total of four times. And uh, apparently upon the fourth time he was killed, he completely disappeared from the earth. Four strikes, you're out. Yeah, it was basically like, we told you to be careful. You're clearly, you're not one of us. Yeah, like you're not careful enough, guy. You only get so many shots. So maybe it ends up badly no matter what. <laughs> not for the deer women. No, they, they were fine. They were living their best life. So what do you do if you encounter the dear woman? Well, if you're worried, here's your moment to reconsider your life. Because, like, that was the whole thing. She only, like, is a danger to people who deserve it, who are acting shady and shitty and who are, like, right, like she's engaged only gonna in sexual you if violence. You're a terrible person. Yeah. In Ojibwe tradition, the deer woman can be banished by using tobacco and chanting. In other stories, you can fend her off by looking at her the hooves on her feet and having your oh shit moment and getting out of there before she gets you alone. And so a lot of the these stories of lethal female water spirits, they, they have... Kind of like you mentioned in yeah, your yard story. They lure you out. Well, they have a deformity. So oh, yeah. a mermaid tail hooves for feet, that that kind of thing. And if you can identify them and kind of call them out and see through their yeah. illusion, they'll then you, you have you either they'll either leave you leave you alone or you have a chance to be like, I need to get right, out of you here. Right, you break their spell enough that you can then run away. Exactly. So the deer woman doesn't have a huge presence in pop culture. We're bringing it back, guys. Yeah, th this is the year of the deer woman. I shit thee not. She did appear in an episode of the short-lived Showtime horror series, Masters of Horror, in 2005. Bastards of Horror? Masters. Oh, I heard bath. You hiccuped when you said it. <laughs> so I thought you said bastards. I'm like, that sounds interesting. I would watch. See, that was I would watch problem. either of them. They would have gotten infinite seasons if they had been Bastards yeah. of Horror, but they went with Masters I mean, they of would, Horror. They would have had to be on like HBO or something yeah. then. It wasn't for Showtime. It actually started as Bastards of Horrors, but HBO turned them down yeah, and then, then Showtime like, picked them up and they're like, we got to workshop this title. 
Uh, Laguna Pueblo writer Paula Gunn Allen wrote a short story entitled Dear Woman that I really want to read. I wasn't able to find the story, but I was able to find a summary where basically two dear women go to a stop dance, which is a traditional Sioux ceremony. And this is in modern times. So like in the dance circle, there are all these like cars and trucks that are illuminating the the dance circle with their headlights so these two men show up and like pick up the girls like they hit on them they're like hey you want to come with us and they drive away with them in their pickup truck then things get spooky i'm gonna leave it at that in 2015 elizabeth lapensi who is a professor at michigan state and of mixed irish and Anishinaabe, Matisse descent. And we talked about Matisse people when I covered mm-hmm. uh, Sophia, Sophie Morgeau. Yep, Sophie Morgeau. Yep. yep. Uh, so she wrote the, co- the comic Dear Woman, a vignette, which I super want to read. And I can. You can actually download it for free on redplanetbooks.com. Oh, wow. So that's redplanetbooksncomics.com forward slash products, forward slash dear hyphen woman hyphen a hyphen vignette. (laughs) It's a lot. Honestly, if you Google dear woman, you're going to find it. Yeah. In the end, the message of the legend of the dear woman is a warning against usurping the power and autonomy of women. The Pioneer Women Museum in Ponca City, Oklahoma, said it best in their article about the dear woman, quote, to ignore the moral is to proceed inexorably into the death dance with the dear woman. Oh, that has to be the episode title. Death dance with a dear woman. Right? So, like, honestly, if I could become a dear woman when I, would I die, be, yeah, I that would be amazing. 10,000% okay with that. Like, what a dream job, as long as I don't have to be murdered first. Right. But yeah, if seriously. I can just be the person that she comes up to and is like, I will I will pass this on to you, my child. I'd be yeah. like, yeah, give like, me the power. <laughs> let me get my two weeks notice. I'm going to be a dear woman. <laughs> right. But I I thought that was so interesting. And like, no, that's a great story. Like I said at the beginning, I covered her because the whole idea of this like lethal dear oh, woman Oh, you were so excited when I even mentioned her. You were bonkers. like, we have dear woman? <laughs> yeah. And now she is my 100% favorite cryptid, oh, which is 1, usurping the jackalope, which yeah. used to be my favorite. It's a close second still. Yeah. They're, they chill. Not like that close. Well, here's the but... thing. The jackalope is actually the deer... Deer woman equivalent for rabbits because the jackalope yeah. has deer antlers. Yeah, that's true. There we go. But yeah, that 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 story and that mythology got so much more relevant and deep than I anticipated. Yeah, like that's really cool. But it was really amazing, and so I'm really glad that uh, you're like, hey, you want to do two episodes? And I'm like, I got this. I got this. <laughs> so hopefully, by the next time we're recording, hopefully we'll be seeing each other's pretty pretty faces again. Ah, pretty pretty faces. By the way, what there is a an orange light behind yep. Kelly, and she has dyed her hair. You may have seen it in recent pictures. She's dyed her hair this really dark color with like purple like hues to yeah, it, it's purple and red. And the purple is really coming through, and it is intoxicating. That's why I'm hiccuping. It's not the wine. It's Kelly's hair. It's my hair. I can't see it. You have to take a picture. I will. Kelly, what are you thankful nope, for? No, I was going to ask you first, then you interrupted by talking about my hair. <laughs> it was strategic. <laughs> Strategery. Um, I am thankful. What am I thankful for? 
It's hard enough for us to come up with a thankful thing like for one episode when we record two in a row. It's like, oh, I already used my good thing for last time. Right? Gosh, why? It's so hard because I'm like, we're going into lockdown. Like, um, I guess I'm really thankful for like being able to video chat with people. Like we during the first lockdown, um, me and my husband and my sister all chipped in and bought my mom like the the Facebook home thing what it's like is that or the facebook portal it's kind of like a google like the google screen i have upstairs but it's like for like facetiming but it's like a li- it's like oh. a screen so she doesn't have to like hold her phone so we bought her one of those so like we've been you know all facetiming when we can't see each other and yeah i guess you know it's just a really important thing like everyone feels like they're really alone right now but the important thing is you know if you're feeling lonely reach out to someone like People aren't always good at reaching out, and just because they're not reaching out to you doesn't mean they don't want to talk to you. Like, so if you're feeling lonely, reach out to someone. You can email us. If you're feeling lonely, email us. One of us or both of us will answer you. Oh, yeah. We like to chat, especially Kelly. Kelly is a master of our Twitter DMs. We're like, I'll I'll see we have a new message and I go in and it's like, oh God, there's like three days of chats I have to catch up on. Yeah. I am thankful for the people in my life who support me in the little ways. My mother is going floor shopping with me I think tomorrow. That's so adorable. Uh Jared, so I've been I've been trying to expand the exercises I do, like supplementing going to the gym and kind of doing my regular thing, but doing more at home. And so I've been doing like leg lifts and trying to like strengthen my core, especially after I had my hip surgery. They had to snip a tendon. So my yeah. I my one leg is actually very weak. And so I need to strengthen my core more to compensate for that. And that is something I didn't uh I wasn't super diligent about in physical therapy. Um, so basically, Jared has been uh, standing so I can hold on to his ankles and do my leg lifts. And the other day, he's nice. like, okay, now I want you to do one. Like, I got the number I want in. And he's like, I want you to do one, but I want you to lower your legs as slowly as possible. And I got really close to the ground. And he's like, hold it. Hold it. And like, so he pushed me to hold it. Aww. And I <laughs> he put up with me calling him an asshole, but I did it. So that was good. My buddy Caleb, we were uh, messaging last night and chatting, just having like a fun, friendly right. chat. And I'm just bummed because up. like a, I've seen him maybe once this year. Yeah, and it's, it's hard. I'm super not going to see him now. I'm very thankful for you and continuing this podcast, yes. even though I know with school and work, it's, you know, I really it's like a it, stressor. So... Yeah, I'm thankful as as for the people in my life like who I support like me and love me and uh, keep me going. Yeah. The people who give me a reason All to keep going. Things. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Whining About Herstory. You can find us on Facebook at Whining About Herstory, Instagram at WAH Pod, Twitter at WAH underscore pod. Our website is whiningaboutherstory.com and our email is whiningaboutherstory at gmail.com. And like we said, we'd love to hear from you. We'd also love if you gave us five-star reviews anywhere you listened. We also have a Patreon where you can donate for as little as $1. We do put up Patreon-only content uh, twice a month. One is a history happening, which you won't hear outside of Patreon. And the other one is a video episode of one of our 
episodes in the month usually the third episode of the month yeah so if you're not a patreon you'll still get the audio but we have fun visuals added we do dress up themes we throw up pictures we play games and we're we are working on expanding what we do in those episodes uh yes if you have ideas we'd love to hear those too oh absolutely I think I think for our last video episode we did fifties themed. Mm-hmm. So we also have a fun. Teespring if you want sweet sweet merch. I'm also thankful for Tierney because she did a big uh, merch photo shoot for yeah, us. So those pictures are going to be coming out. So we look good. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Wine About Herstory. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And have an empowered day and wear your mask. Bye. Bye. <laughs>